Well, thank you for listening to this new podcast, On The Go. Of course, we're talking some sports, some community activities, lifestyle trends, all those sorts of things. I'm David Endress. You may know me as one of the hosts of Monterey Radio's Morning Blend. Well, today I have the real pleasure of speaking with Nick Carlin Voigt. Nick is the head soccer coach of the University of Portland men's soccer team as they embark on their 2022 fall campaign. And Nick, I know, busy time for you, so thanks so much for sitting in. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to talking all things pilot soccer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm thinking back when our studios were located up in the University of Portland campus, and I could walk out and watch you guys practice right there on the on the practice fields, and I'd see you out there, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, he could put a jersey on, and I don't think anybody walking by would know that he's either a coach or a player because it's that youthful enthusiasm. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it keeps keeps you young hanging around with uh, teenagers and and college folks, but uh, definitely still a kid at heart. And uh, the best job in the world is, is still that of a player, and, and and the second best is that of a coach. So I'm blessed every day to come to UP and, and work with the the young men that I have the privilege to work with and and help guide them in their lives both on and off the field. So dream opportunity for us, and and very fortunate and and grateful to be here. Uh, as the leader of the men's soccer program. Well, let me start out by saying this, too. I saw the preseason coaches poll for the upcoming season in the West Coast Conference men's soccer, and lo and behold, there are the University of Portland Pilots ranked number one. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I told the guys the only thing that's different is uh, internally always pick us to win the league, always bet bet on ourselves, bet on the Pilots external now there's a little bit of a target on our back but uh, it was pretty close i think santa clara had three votes for first place we had three i don't put a lot of stock into that it just shows that we're coming off a great year and have some returning guys but um a little bit different than when we started in 2016 i think we were picked to finish last and won the league but it shows uh the progress that the program's made and and the respect that we have nationally and also, you know, our model this year is, is earn, not given. And so uh, speaking to that, preseason polls quickly get forgotten about and everyone has an equal opportunity to be champions. And, you know, we're just really focused on, on getting the mentality and the culture and the group cohesion really tight right now in the preseason. We're only two days in and, and focusing on becoming the best version of ourselves. And, you know, we don't speak too much about winning. I believe winning is a byproduct of, of doing all the small things well and doing those things together and and that's kind of been the ethos and the philosophy here of of rebuilding this program right well kind of the neat thing too and again this speaks well to what you've done in building the program is that the pilots had not been ranked number one in the preseason poll since 2003 so i mean that's that's a ways back so that does speak well for what you've done in rebuilding the program and yeah you do get a little target on your back but hey that's okay you know you got to meet the challenge and i know you see it that way yeah no for sure i mean it's the messaging to our guys is uh, respecting those who've come before us the incredible history and legacy that came you know before all of us and Clive Charles and Bill Irwin and and the the, the countless, you know, incredible pilots and and future pros who played here and paved just a really good foundation for the program. And and our job is is to lead the program better than we found it and and, and keep trying to raise the bar of excellence here. And and that work is done every single day. And that's what makes this 
uh, world in college athletics and college soccer so exciting and dynamic is uh, you're always trying to achieve new things for the program. And you know, I'm really proud of, of the body of work that we've had in the last five falls that we've really put together some, some really strong years and, and, and some new milestones for the program. And, and the fun part is, is trying to, to build that legacy and continuing to push the, the bar higher and higher. Yeah, absolutely. Again, speaking with Nick Carlin Voigt, he is the head coach, University of Portland men's soccer team, getting ready to start their fall season. So let me go back. How did you get started in soccer? You grew up in Michigan, correct? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, my mom, my dad, they get credit, especially my mom. She uh, she got me hooked up with AYSO, and I had a great coach, uh, Corky Neuenheiser, and, and she would take me, and, you know, as a co-ed team, and just had so much fun. I think back then when you're playing at five, you're really excited about the snacks at halftime. So I remember <laughs> the oranges and right. the fruit snacks and juice boxes and donuts after the game, but uh, I was introduced to the young age, and you know, I think anyone who knew me as a kid, I was uh, very active and, and liked to run around, and you know, while I became a goalkeeper, funny story, actually, when they originally put me in, in the goal, when I think it was seven or eight, I, I, I didn't like it at all, and you know, I was crying, afraid to make a mistake, and right. funny how things change, but uh, my mom drove me to a lot of those games, uh, and, and really kind of got me started in the sport, but my dad also loved the sport and, and played college soccer at University of California, Santa Cruz. So mm. had a, a family, you know, growing up in Southwest Michigan at that time in, in the 80s, soccer wasn't really a big part of, of the culture, but in the youth game, there was still, you know, a big, a big push for AYSO and, and just really fell in love with the sport and, uh, you know, still in love with it and, and love being around it in, in any capacity that I can. Right. I, I mean, you're pretty tall. Was it your height that got you in goal, or did that even happen before you started to grow? Well, I, I hit a growth spurt late. Um, you know, I like to think of myself as a forward, uh, and, and, you know, it's most goalkeepers. But I did play basketball growing up, too, and, and, and that, you know, was, was a love equal to soccer, if not more, when I was probably a teenager. And, and you know, I was fortunate enough to play both basketball and soccer at the Division three level. And that was a big reason why I went on that journey to Kalamazoo College and, and didn't just play Division one while I had offers. I wanted to really give basketball, collegiate basketball, a chance, too. So love love both sports. I think there's a lot of, you know, correlation between hand-eye skill coordination and, and basketball and, and the position of goalkeeping. So at that time, I loved flying around, diving. I was big. Right. I was pretty athletic. Um, and so I think there was definitely a translation to that. But in, on, on the basketball court, I was, I was a point guard. And, you know, I like to think of myself as a, as a skillful player. And in soccer, uh, you know, more of a defensive-minded, you know, goalkeeper where your job is just to keep the ball in the back of the right. net. I don't know if you have time, but do you uh, ever get over and uh, into the child center or, or the Beauchamp? Play a little basketball. Oh yeah, that's been fun. Yes, yeah, since the, you know the different coaches I've had a chance to interact with in different stops, whether I was Wisconsin or UCLA, I've always, you know, always wanted to make the NBA. But now it's it's the NBA at noon, the noontime <laughs> basketball <laughs> yes. association. So we'll go and have some pickup games, and and that's been fun with the new coach here, Coach Liggins and his staff. And my back's kind of. I feel like I'm getting older, so <laughs> I haven't been playing as much the last couple years. But I, I definitely. Definitely love to go go have a little noontime run when it, when when our schedule permits. That's great. Well, as a point guard though, but what what are you six two six three? I'm like six four. Yeah, six three because I'm shrinking. But yeah, I was a shooting guard, point guard. I like nice. to have the ball in my hands, and I think 
as a goalkeeper as well, you know, you, you start the attack. And so I think there's, again, correlations between, you know, being a point guard, being a coach and, and being a goalkeeper is you get to see the whole the whole quarter the whole field in front of you yeah. and and kind of start setting the tempo and understanding how the different pieces correlate and in tactics and plays and so the intellectual pursuit of that and organizing groups and teams and finding you know tactical structures uh, is something I just I fell in love with uh, when I started my coaching journey. Yeah, well, I'm thinking too. Obviously, your knowledge of goalkeeper has certainly translated over because you've had some good guys in goal since you've been there. We have. I've been fortunate. I think through my whole college career, we've always had you know an All American in goal or, or a guy who gets drafted in the MLS, a captain type leader, and and that's no different. When I got here with Paul Christensen, and then that torch was passed to Keenan Weeks. And now we have George Tacheris, who is an absolute uh, incredible leader, graduate student, uh, equally uh, impressive off the field as on the field. And, you know, it has been a big part of our success as, as a captain and as a guy who, who brings his best every day. George is as tough of, a, of an athlete as I coach pound for pound uh, here. And he follows in the steps of, of, of great goalkeepers who've come before him from Casey Keller to Luis Robles to some of the guys I've yeah. mentioned now. So it's been a big part of, of the legacy at UP is always having uh, a guy in goal who you feel like can, can make the difference and uh, pull a rabbit out of a hat and, and win games for you yeah. when, when needed. So. Is there a certain mentality that you have to have as a goalkeeper versus other positions on the team? Yeah, I think so. I think there's there's some things that don't change based on the sport or the position. You have to be incredibly fit. You have to be incredibly disciplined. I think where the goalkeeper is a little bit different than other positions, it's it's a lonely position. Obviously, you're the only one on the field who can use their hands. Um, and you know, if you're a forward or a midfielder, you make a mistake. There's there's guys behind you to cover it up. And uh, I think when goalkeepers make mistakes, which is, is inevitable and at, at any level, at the highest level in the World Cup or the Premier League, all the way to college and youth soccer, uh, you, you sometimes feel like you want to crawl into the ground and have no one see you because, yeah. you know, you're, you're often, you know, remembered for the mistakes you made rather than the incredible plays. And so you have to be really mentally tough. You have to be mentally focused and you have to have thick skin because, uh, it's the ultimate test in staying present and, and not worried about what happened in the past and not focusing on what could happen, good or bad, in the future, but really, you know, staying mindful and present and focused on the task at hand. And so I think there's that part, and I think then the, the specialized training that's required in the position. Uh, goalkeeper is not a position where you can have off days with your workload. You know, I've never had a goalkeeper who ha- has train better than they've played on game day you know how you right. train is a direct correlation to how you perform in the match and another think others other positions other sports there you, there can be this notion of i'm a gamer right and right. i can just show up for the game and um i've never met a great goalkeeper who wasn't a, a workaholic and, and a gym rat and someone who just took a ton of pride in in their behavior and their habits of, of trying to get better every single day and now with video analytics and in the tactics, you know the goalkeeper now has to to be very good with their feet and has to start attacks, and, and that's no different than when you watch the Premier League and uh, you know Man City. Right. Their goalkeeper starts the attack. He can he can play and build up, and he can also play long and 
and, and break lines 80, 80, sometimes 90 meters down the field and, and start counterattacks. So um, in the analogy of a, and I hate to use this as a, as a, as a, a European football coach, but the analogy of a American football coach, it's almost like a middle linebacker. You, yeah. you have to read everything, see everything, be able to run, be able to move, be able to go back, forward, and, and really just lead. And so I think... Uh, you know, George for for us is is our captain and our leader, and uh, he's an absolute winner. And I think that's the best compliment you can give a goalkeeper is they're a winner. Yeah, you know, and I think about different pressure pressure situations in different sports, different players, different positions. But I don't know. I mean, there there may be some things equal to this, but I don't know if there's any more pressure for a position when you think about if you're talking about whether it's the championship of the world cup or the ncaa finals if you're in a shootout and you're the goalkeeper that is one pressure position right there that's fun yeah and you can flip that narrative too because you know the expected goals for for, for the shooters are about 75 percent of penalty kicks taken are made right and so i think it's a little bit different again than other sports, but in, in in European football or soccer, if you can make one or two saves out of five, you can be the hero. Right. Um, but I think there's times where goalkeepers don't make any saves out of five, and then they kind of feel like they should have. Um, so I think it's one of those things where the narrative you can you can put the pressure more on the shooter. Mm-hmm. And I remember I did that as a player, and I think the best goalkeepers in the world are. You know the pressure's off of them. They're not ex- they're not expected to save too many of those. And if they can save one, it, it can win you the cup. Or if you can save two, it, it, it's massive. So, yeah. um, and that's a whole skill set in itself. The psychology of, of penalty kicks on both sides from from field players to to goalkeepers. Absolutely. Well, what do you see your coaching style? What is what is Nick Carlin Voigt's coaching style? How do you see it? Well, I think that's evolved. I think. Um, you know, when I was a young head coach, you'd waited so long to, to be in that chair, and I wanted to do everything, every aspect of the program. You know, I think my first year I was checking campers in the camp. I wanted to, to, to train the forwards, train the goalkeepers, train the midfielders, and I was so eager to, to do everything. And I think as I've gotten older and more experienced, I've been better at delegation and collaboration. And, you know, we have a great goalkeeper coach here in Eric Kronberg who played 13 years in the league. And, Overseeing and, and managing up and managing down, I think, are, are things that are really important. But our philosophy always wants to be, you know, one that that's supportive of of everyone. One where we build a really strong team culture. We, we build a really strong locker room. We get everyone committed to the process. Uh, one where there's demands, right? You have to have demands, and you have to hold the group to a very, very high standard. But also one where there's understanding. There's uh, back and forth. You know, I, I have a leadership group where we have really honest conversations with each other, and I want their input. Um, you know, it's not a democracy when you're a coach, but I think it's definitely one where you want to know how they feel, you want to know physically how they're doing, mentally where they're at, and, and you want those lines of communication to be really, really open. And so making sure that we have a philosophy where the door is always open and players can come in to talk, not just soccer, but just life. Yeah. And I think that's the really interesting and also challenging part in, in my role is you're dealing with young men in a very important transformative time in their life, and you need to be there to help them reach their full potential, not just as, as athletes, but as people, as humans, uh, as student athletes, and 
and each day has has different roles and challenges with that. So yeah. I think uh, you know the philosophy of the program is is to be the best we can be, to become the best version of ourselves, and and to be leaders on campus in the way that we go about our business, the way that we train, the way that we behave, the way that we you know we we talk as a group. There, there's messaging and themes that we're constantly talking about, and at the end of the day, it's a sport and. We're trying to help young men uh, learn important lessons through sports. So it, it's a philosophy of, of teaching and learning, and, and I think that fits in really well with uh, the ethos and uh, philosophy of the University of Portland. Right. Well, and speaking of which, I'd be remiss, too, if I didn't mention the academic success of your program, too. Certainly there's success on the field. You've been to the NCAA tournament three, four times since you've been coaching there, including last year where you made it to the second round. So congratulations on that. But there's also academic success in your program. Yeah, we're really proud of that. That's why, you know, the students before the athlete, the cornerstone moment, uh, you know, a shiny moment for us is our guys walking across that stage at graduation. And that was fun to, to see our guys do that again this year after COVID where everything was online. And, you know, 100% of our seniors graduate. You know, there, there's... I think only been a few guys who who haven't graduated, and that's because they went pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everyone who stays and, and and finishes the program leaves with a degree. And now the fun part and, and an interesting part is now they're getting advanced degrees. They're getting master's degrees in higher ed. They're getting MBAs. Uh, we've had a Yale graduate student who got his master's in engineering, biomedical supplies, and engineering. And so uh, it, it's been really interesting to see with the NCAA rules, with the extra year of eligibility, now we have a locker room with some older guys in yeah. it that, you know, these are grown men, these are, these are grown-ups, and they've already graduated from, from an undergrad here or another place, and, and now they're working on a master's degree, which is a, a brand-new experience. And so um, I'm really proud of our team GPA. I think last year we were 3.3, yeah. and, um, yeah, the, the, you know, it's, it's not easy being a student athlete at the level that we compete at and demands that are placed and missed class time and, uh, it's like having a full-time job outside of, you know, being at a very rigorous academic institution like UP. And, and I'm really proud of, of that uh, and, and seeing our young men grow up and mature and go on in, in the workforce and, and be good leaders and good employees and, and then good husbands and, and community members, I think, is really what we preach, that soccer is, you know, something that's not going to last forever, right. but the lessons that you can learn here can serve you very well uh, as you progress in your life, uh, both professionally and, and as a family man. Has the student-athlete changed at all since the time when you were in school? By the way, you were an All-American Division Three soccer player. So success for you as a student-athlete at your age. Have you, think, have you seen student-athletes change over the school? It has. Time? Yeah, yeah, I think it has. Just with you know, social media and, and pressures and demands and... Uh, as there's more money in college athletics, and I think as it becomes more of a business, which you know you're seeing conference realignment, you're seeing now name, image, and likeness right. transfer portal. We're living in a world where I think attention spans are shorter, patience is shorter. So some of the values that we preach in terms of humility and waiting your turn, and, and those who stay will be champions. Sometimes that's in, in, in direct conflict with you know what they're seeing every day on their phones, or how do I benefit from my name, image, and likeness? How do I make sure I go to the place with the most individual exposure? Where am I going to go for individual benefit? And, and when you have a philosophy like we do, where the team is the star, not the individual, 
uh, you know, those can be interesting conversations and interesting things, I think, as a coach to benefit because ultimately we want all of our guys to reach their goals and dreams, which for many of our guys, that's becoming pros and, right. and making a lot of money in the game and playing in the MLS, which we've had many of those guys. But as we know, that's not the majority. You know, that's very much the minority. And so I think our job is is to educate them that there are many different pathways and there are many different skills needed outside of of just being a really good soccer player for for a successful life and a fulfilling uh, life. And so, yeah, I think the student-athlete has definitely changed, I think. But at the core, there we, we have a really good team. We have, we have guys who still want the same thing that my players wanted. 10 and 10, 15 years ago, or that I wanted as yeah. an athlete. They want to, you know, have a great experience playing a sport that they love and they want to be supported and, and the best ones want to be pushed to, to be the best that they can be and they want to be coached. And you know, I don't think that's changed, but I think it's, it's more of the off the field distractions, more of, you know, am I settled? Uh, there's so many athletes that I think have different messaging and, you know, all around them that, can confuse them, mm-hmm. you know, and I think also I think the the pathway to pro has changed a lot since since I started playing. There's over now a hundred professional leagues for our players to go to. There's MLS, there's MLS next, there's USL Championship, League One, there's the second team and so and then there's Europe. I think we have two hundred and fifty Americans playing professionally in Europe. And right. there's never been a better time and I tell our guys this all the time, there's never been a better time to be an American soccer player. The access to education, to video, to tactics that, that they have has is, is never been greater. But I also think there's never been a more confusing pathway uh, to reach the highest levels of the game. And so for some players, that's through college. For other players, you know, that, that's not through college. And, and that part's definitely changed uh, rapidly in the last five years. Yeah, I just think, too, soccer has grown so much from the time when I was young to where it is today. It just seems to me there's just so much more excitement around soccer, professional soccer as well, than what there used to be. And, and of course, we couldn't be in a better city than that than the Portland and the Timbers. Yeah, we definitely use that in recruiting. It's a soccer city, USA, you know, UP. In the fall, as a soccer school, right? Like yeah. you know, we're not competing with American football, and we have a great fan base, a great stadium, and we've had a pathway to pros that that's gone out through the history of the program long before I got here, and we've tried to build on that legacy and freshen that up. And you know, you look at Benji Michelle, who was in my first recruiting class; he just made his hundredth debut for Orlando City in the first team. Nice. He walked right out of our team and right into the first team, and. You know, I think he's, he's he's above 20 goals in his career, and he spent three years learning his craft here, honing his his professional skills, and he was able to translate and and walk right into an MLS team, which which is not diff, you know not easy, right? Like yeah. you're playing with guys who played at Manchester United when when he was Benji's age, who was playing in college at UP, and so I'm really proud of the fact that we can help guys get to the next level. You know, you have a Jacobo Reyes who was only here for one year, and then COVID he left, and you know he's playing now in Liga MX in, in Monterrey. And so these are these are guys who who wore the pilot jersey. You can flick on the TV and see them playing at the highest level. Ray Ortiz, you know, the right. first recruit that I had, graduated with a degree, first one in his college, uh, excuse me, first one in his family to graduate, and, and then was drafted by Cincinnati and and, and made their team and. Paul Christensen, Chris Reeves, you know, there's, there's an endless list of guys recently who, who've been able to make the jump from the pilots right into the first team in the MLS, and that's really, really difficult. And so I'm really, really proud of that. 
but I'm equally as proud of the guys who, who get their PhD from Oregon or you know, go on and have a very successful business career or mm-hmm. become coaches and teachers. Like, you know, whatever their goals are, we want to support them with that. And, and that's the fun part is there's so many different personalities with, with different objectives and, and trying to, to mesh all of those in, into a, a one team, one goal philosophy is, is always a fun and exciting challenge. That's great. Well, before we run too long here, I do want to talk a little bit about the team this year. As I mentioned right at the start here is that it is picked number one in the WCC preseason coaches poll. And it's always a great schedule. You play a lot of wonderful teams, either out of conference or in conference. There's great teams as well. And you've got, as I, I think I read, 19 returning players on the team. And so tell me a little bit about this team. It, it sounds like you've got some great opportunities there. Yeah, it's a, it's a good team, you know, on paper. I think everyone thinks they're really good in August. So we're taking it one day at a time and not getting ahead of ourselves. I think we're coming off a great spring. We're able to compete and beat some some really good programs and some professional teams. And it's a group where... You know, you have George and Goal, and then you have, uh, I think, one of the better defenders in the league in Delens Pierre, who comes from Real Salt Lake Academy, who will be an incredible leader for us, and I think one of the fastest center backs in our league. Uh, and then in the midfield, you have guys who are coming back, like Jake Artiaga and Greg Tracy, and then we supplemented them with some graduate, graduate transfers, and Marios uh, from Grand Canyon, who is going to push. And so I think it's really healthy, the competition that we have. No one is, is one starting jobs. And just because guys started last year doesn't mean they get to start again this year. Uh, Brandon Cambridge is, is back for a second year, who I think could, could be one of the, the more dynamic wing, wingers in our league and on the West Coast. And he's got a year of experience under his belt. And so we're, we're going to need him to to pick up the, the scoring load. At right back, Kevin Bonilla is... Um, Oh, an incredible young man. He's like a Ray Ortiz at right back. Very dynamic. Loves getting forward. Very technical. Sees and reads the game at a very, very high level, and, and just has a world of potential. And so, uh, he he's back. He was a guy who you know who played 20 pro games before he came and played with the U20 World Cup team, trained with them, and has experience. Uh, you know, at a very, very high level, coming from FC Dallas. At left back, we get Nick Denley back, who, who you know missed last year with an ACL. We also get Nick Fernandez back, who, who didn't play last year. And these are guys that I think our fans don't know too much about because they've never worn a pilot jersey, even though they've been here almost two years. They missed the COVID season, and then they haven't played in the fall. And so both of those guys, I think, will will help us. A big question mark is who's going to score the goals, and you know I hope that's by committee. Right. Uh, Jacob Babali, you know local local product from from here in Portland, is back for his second year, and then we picked up a graduate transfer, you know who is all Big East at Seton Hall, C.J. Tibbling from Sweden, who, who's who's a big back to goal target and has a history of scoring goals, and you combine them with like German Sanga coming back, Sebastian Nava. Uh, we have some depth. We don't have the, the quantity of depth that maybe we've had in the past, but I think if we can keep everyone healthy, the quality of depth uh, will be good and solid and be able to support us as, I think I've said this a few times, but this is the hardest schedule that we've played. And wow. from the first year that I played, you know, that I took over to now, you know, we're at UCLA is coming here. We were fortunate enough to, to play them last year and beat them for the first time in, in program history and in, in the regular season at their place. So they're coming back. 
with UCLA going to the Big Ten. That might be the last time that yeah. that, that we get to play them in the regular season. We're at Oregon State, who was, who was a top five program last year in the country. And so it's going to be, you know, incredibly dynamic away games at Denver. We have an Elite Eight team coming in, West Virginia. But our focus is really on, on the home opener, Central Arkansas, who is always a top 50 RPI team. And the schedule is going to be incredibly challenging, but I think that's what this group wants. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's going to hopefully battle test us and make us ready for the WCC that we've played some of the best teams in the country. And, you know, scheduling really hard, you know, over-scheduling, I think that's helped us get out large bids. You know, mm-hmm. we were the third best RPI team in, 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 in the West Coast last year behind Washington and Oregon State. And not just getting in the tournament, but getting our second home game uh, during my tenure yeah. and second home win was really impressive. It's it's incredibly difficult for, you know, we don't consider ourselves a mid-major program, but we're in a mid-major conference. And uh, for a non-Power 5 school to be, you know, selected as an at-large team, it's never been more difficult than men's soccer. And so I've been really proud of the fact that Due to scheduling and, and some really important results against high RPI teams, we've been able to get those at-large berths and, and home games against UCLA and Seattle U, and and nothing better in the world than playing at home in the playoffs at Merlot. Uh, I, I was going to just mention that you mentioned it, you touched on it earlier, and that is the soccer stadium at the University of Portland is is one of the best in the country. It's intimate, it's it's loud, it's fun, it's a beautiful place. The grass field. I, I don't know. I, I when I used to walk around there, I don't know if there's a better grass field out there. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, you got to give Kevin White. You know, he's he's a guru. He's a genius in his field. He takes so much pride in his work. I'm actually going to bring him into the locker room for the first game and let him give the talk today because we're going and playing on a field that, you know, he puts so much into and keeps it so beautifully manicured that. It's often funny people come and say, "Well, it's a nice turf field." They yeah. don't realize that that's actually grass. I know. And, uh, the, the, you know, no other MLS teams even have a grass field in this in the Pacific Northwest. The Sounders, Whitecaps, and Timbers all play on turf, and so it, being up here with the rain that we get to keep the field in that condition, um, credit to him and and our and our boss Scott Lakeham for for giving the resources needed to to continue to make the playing surface elite and. It uh, helps us in our game model, how we play, attacking-wise, putting the ball on the ground, trying to combine. And also, you know, we it's funny because teams want to come, but now we're, we're getting to a place where some teams don't want to come because it's a difficult game. <laughs> sure. But definitely teams like playing on that grass field and, and we're the ones that benefit the most by getting, you know, 10 regular season home games on, on Merlot this fall. That's fantastic. Nick Carlin Voigt, he is the head coach, University of Portland men's soccer team getting ready to embark on their 2022 campaign. Hope to repeat from last year, and that's make it to the NCAA tournament. It sounds like you're on the way of doing that. Nick, great to talk with you again. I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's a busy time of year for you as you're getting started with the season, but just wish you all the best of luck this season. We look forward to catching up with you, too, as as the season rolls along. David, thanks so much for having me and, and anyone listening. Please come out and support us. We'd love to have you and your support. Bring your friends, your family, your community, your school. Come support your local team, your local Division One team, and looking forward to uh, kicking off the season. All right. Well, very good. And we thank you for listening to On The Go, this podcast available on the Hail Mary Media app, brought to you by Mater Day Radio. I'm David Endress. We'll talk to you soon.